I'm not a professional speaker and I find it a bit daunting to talk to so many people at once, and especially in a very sort of bleak and empty room. Um, so I'll try to keep this short. I, was, I confess I'm a little bit uh, indifferent to the theme of uh, influence. I don't really think about it very much. And thus one regards translation itself as I can use uh, creative writing with cribnets. The original is actually influence on the translation. Um, on the other hand, I think by, in terms of negative influence, I was influenced very young by something, some stupid things my teachers in primary school said. And I can think of two things that a teacher, I think I was in sixth standard, said to me. So one was that um, anything said in any language can be expressed in another language, which I think is painfully untrue. And then the other thing said that if you can't say something, if you can't explain something in words, then you don't understand it. And that, I think, is also completely untrue. Uh, personally, I have a low tolerance for theory in general, and I have very little stomach for academic literary theory. I find it a little bit uh, stifling and pretentious, and it reminds me of everything I hated about university. So, forgive me that I've not uh, I tend to favor uh, in, an intuitive process, and I don't really subscribe to the supposition that a conscious understanding of something makes anything better. So in this case, I would say, uh, generally, I would rather just enjoy my food and not compare recipes. Uh, both Ikezazan and myself were a little bit atypical of our countries. We've lived abroad quite a lot. I've lived abroad for most of my life. And so in a sense, uh, I've been living in translation, in other cultures, for most of my life. I came to writing and translation largely by default. My background is more in painting and drawing. And it's a love-hate relationship. Sometimes I like language a lot, and sometimes I don't. I love languages in general, but having to express things in words sometimes uh, is very difficult for me. Um, I've been a tra professional translator, earned my living as translator for about 30 years now, a little over 30 years. Um, but I can't make a living on literature alone. In fact, literature really doesn't pay. I make most of my living doing art catalogs, uh, architect monographs, um, sometimes magazine articles. Uh, but I would say that in Japan, 80% of what I've done is completely pointless. It was not necessary at all. There's just a, in Japan, a, I would say the Japanese, since World War II especially, have had an inferiority complex towards English, which was implanted by the American occupation. And there's a sense that if you can't uh, show something in English, then you're not international, you're not somehow uh, up to grade. So, on the one hand, this sort of fawning to English is very similar to uh, colonial situation in other countries, other minority languages. Um, the supposition that English is a universal language is uh, pernicious in, in Japan. Uh, more attention is un. Uh, unnecessary attention is given to English, I would say. It's even things uh, in advertising, in uh, branding of
products, in uh, slogans, it all somehow has to be English. I have uh, artist friends who invariably ask me, well, what should I title my next exhibition? And I will say, well, this Japanese is a dead language. Why don't you do that? The candor has to be in English. No particular reason, as far as I can tell. On the one hand, um, there, the ratio of, of uh, imported literature to exported literature from other languages into Japanese is something on the order of uh, 500 to 1. Very little goes out of Japanese. Um, but most of that goes into English and French and European languages. Uh, more and more it's going into Chinese and Korean as well. But on the other hand, things coming from the West, mostly it's coming from English. So there is this sort of sense that English is somehow superior or more important than other languages, and that English serves as a spring, springboard for translation into third languages. On the one hand, this is uh, fortunate for me because it gives me an income. Um, the other thing that happens is that the status that's accorded to Japanese English translators is extremely high in Japan. Uh, translators are very visible. Um, in the United States, there's a sort of a, a feeling that uh, translators are failed writers. Um, but in Japan, many translators are actually star figures, and many major literary figures do translate that. Does, uh, Murakami does as well. There's people who, just by their status as a major novelist, can sell translation of any basically. Whereas I say most um, Americans, and probably to some extent English, are reluctant to read translations at all. There's a feeling in America, in the uh, imperium of America, that all the world should speak English, the world should come to English. And they shouldn't make the effort, have to make the effort to reach out and read other languages. Um, there's the metaphor I'm always using is that in Bunraku, it's the Japanese puppet theater, you can see the puppeteer. He's wearing black. And the Japanese are very good at not seeing something. So they see it, but they don't see it. And the, the translator is not quite invisible in the sense that he is in, in the English language. You can see the puppeteer very much. But, and in fact, you can appreciate the puppeteer as a master puppeteer in Japanese but he's wearing black, and you're not really supposed to consciously see him, but he's there, he or she. Um, in Japanese, the, uh, there are many words for translation, and many different shades of translation. The, the typical uh, compounds, well, honyaku, chokuyaku, iyaku, basically on how much it sticks to the original, and how much it varies, and how much it mirrors um, the original. The words in Japanese for influence, which are basically the Chinese word as well, they use is a compound made of the word of uh, uh, shadow and echo, and that is basically the, the idea. The inspiration is a sort of the, it's a compound of the word uh, words meaning feeling and change. So you you feel something and you change it into something else. Um, in general, personally, um, 
I think you, one, as a translator, one has to speak at least three languages. Otherwise, uh, you don't know what's peculiar, what's particular about your language, and what's general, what's an exception, and what is just a general, uh, commonplace standard among languages in general. You can't tell really what's uh, where the, the the writer is being. Uh, Choosing a word particularly for its meaning, or it becomes a question of whether it's just that's just the standard expression, and he's using it. If you, the more languages you speak, the more you see how much the writer is specifically choosing one word over another, which to me is important uh, as a craft. Uh, other people have brought up the fact that uh, translating across a cultural divide, which is between non-European languages and European languages. It's quite different to translating, say, within the Romance languages. So um, there are two often quoted cliches of translation. One is that uh, Cervantes was said that uh, reading a translation is like looking at the back of a tapestry. Um, from uh, my point of view, translations from Japanese to English and vice versa is more like um, uh, a painting rendered into the raw medium, very sort of shimazuri. <coughs> Uh, a painting done in feathers or beadwork, it just oftentimes doesn't work, but that's all you've got to go on, so you look at it and you say, how pretty. Um, with Japanese, the other cliche that you're not translating the words, you're translating the idea behind the words, doesn't really work. Uh, I think Japanese is not, forgive me, but it's not really an idea, idea language, it's much more of a sensual language, it's the sense behind the words. And you're trying to render a more emotional picture than a specific conceptual picture when you're talking in Japanese. Of course, there's been a lot of changes in Japanese influence. The language itself has changed to reflect English, which is a much more conceptual, harder language. But in general, to sum up what I'm trying to say is that uh, what is considered the special context for, for Japanese translation what is considered good writing in Japanese is usually not considered good writing in English and vice versa. So, which is, makes a very big difference. When English readers, if they were to read a typical Japanese story, would say it's very vague, it's very oblique, it's inconclusive, and inarticulate on the whole, because so much is left out from an English point of view. And conversely, what uh, the English tend to value as very clever or witty or analytical or intellectual, intelligent, consistent. The Japanese tend to find forced and very petty and excessively harsh, cold. And in one sense, this relates a bit to the Japanese society having, uh, being a, a, a group think, group speak society that uh, the dominant consensual values of the society really uh, are more important than the individual expression. In fact, there's really almost no teaching of creative writing at all in, in uh, Japan. Um, there's still a situation where the instructor, the teacher, is much uh, higher position than the students, and the students are entirely on the receiving end. So the idea of teaching individual expression tends to threaten the norm. 
So in Japanese writing, I would say uh, smoothness is better than being sharp in general. And it's perhaps as a corollary of this, um, this very little tradition of criticism in Japan. Saying something negative about someone else's work is generally taboo. Um, there was a, the, another corollary of this, of course, is that uh, as publishing speeds up with uh, electronic media and digital media, um, there's less and less time for the editor to do anything to shape a work. And this is especially in, true in Japan. The speed in which things are put into print is incredibly fast. Um, and if I were to be rather harsh about this, extreme about this, I would say there's really no editing in the Western sense in Japan. I get uh, books, manuscripts that are in their third, fourth printing, and all, they're full of errors. There's uh, continuity errors, uh, bad punctuation. I mean, I'm not Japanese, but I can still tell that this is not good writing. The way no one has said, sat down with an author and said, can you express this a different way? Can you clarify this? That's not done in Japan, generally speaking. So this is one of my pet peeves. But the Japanese sort of play this down by saying, oh, we have uh, an emotional logic. We don't need to make things conclusive. We like the things to be open-ended. Yes and no. It's, it's a good thing and it's a bad thing. Uh, there is much more sense of poetic nuance and atmosphere and suggestion than an idea that writing should be precise. The idea is almost depends on how much is left out as how much is put in the words, and which makes it quite difficult for a translator to translate and present the same picture to a foreign reader. Uh, I would say this is a, a gross oversimplification, but the very relationship to words and verbal expression is quite different in Japan. There's a greater difference. Um, if you have, it, it's becoming less so among younger generations, but uh, especially among older Japanese, I would say uh, verbal communication is your last resort. If you have to actually come up and say something, then something's already gone wrong. So uh, this is quite different to English, I would say. Another thing that happens is just uh, in terms of the writing, uh, of the, the, the word usage. Uh, English is very, very strict and very insistent uh, that for example, you don't use the same word, the same phrasing over and over again in the same paragraph or even on the same page. Japanese are very, very tolerant of redundancy and rhetorical questions. There's a lot of negative questions. At least rhetorically, they're phrased negatively. Um, in a sense, there's almost it's almost impossible to make a flat statement in Japanese. You're always asking for agreement whether it's from your, the person you're talking to or the, the supposed reader. And likewise, as Maureen was saying, there's, uh, the passive voice is everything in Japan. Everything happens to you. Sometimes the subject is just not there. 
and uh, you have to infer that in the English to make it clear. You have to trans. Oftentimes, you have to reshape the whole sentence. It's also a postpositional language like Turkish. The verb comes at the very end, and the Japanese are typically fond of saying that when in conversation you watch the other person and see how they react to what you're saying, you can you can reverse the sentence at the very end. I I'm not I'm. I was a terrible teacher. I taught for three terms in university. I, I pity my students. Um, but in any case, the uh, one thing I noticed is that Japanese are very, very strong on minute detail, extremely focused on minute detail and observation, especially natural observation. Many shades of of manner of how rain falls, for example. Um, and most of these are rendered onomatopoeically as a different word rather than in terms of adding an adjective. It becomes something, a different verb, a different uh, phrase entirely. Um, on the other hand, one thing I noticed uh, when teaching students, and I, it, it's rather paradoxical if one considers all the the uh, science fiction and anime that comes out of Japan is that, um, in general, the idea of speculation doesn't enter into the picture. You're representing the world as it is and looking at it in extreme detail. It's often quite claustrophobic. Uh, I find lots of Japanese writing is all about little things in the family and little nuances that build up until it's unbearable to read. And there's a joke that says if Japanese actually talked to each other, there would be no literature because there would be no understandings, misunderstandings. Basically, a lot of Japanese literature is something small that happens and it builds over a generation until it becomes, a com it go becomes completely out of uh, proportion. And uh, this used to be the norm, I think it's especially what was called the Shisotets of the, the eye novel. Very, very thinly uh, veiled, diaristic, autobiographical writing. Uh, the Japanese in general uh, don't like wordplay. They don't like puns at all. In fact, it's considered rather uh, poor taste. Although there have been in classical literature quite a lot, but in general it's considered something that uh, old men say at pubs. There's also a lot, quite a lot of um, emphasis on regional dialects and accent, Hogan, uh, which is rather difficult in American writing, but it's probably more prevalent in thinking of uh, Hardy and Orwell and Amos and people like that. But to, to, to summarize, make it quick, I'd say that uh, Japanese English translation requires a considerable amount of reshaping and restructuring uh, for a commercial market. For an academic market where you have to be quite literal to the original, that's a different story. But uh, that's not what I've been working in most of the time. Uh, most Japanese authors do not speak enough English to check the translation. And this has created problems 
for example, I can think of Kirino, Nacho Kirino, who's a sort of a psychological suspense writer. When one of her, her first translation came out and got rave reviews, except for one review in the New York Times, and somehow that found its way into her hands and she basically villainized the translator and wouldn't talk to him again. Um, afterwards, she realized that this translator was probably the best translator she could possibly have had because then she went from two, to two other translators and they came out with even worse products. So, um, on the one hand, it's, uh, there is a sense because they don't speak English as well as they think they should, they want to interfere in the process of translation and assert that they know better English than the translator. This is probably more true in commercial uh, translation than in uh, academic translation. But it's especially true in non-literary fields. Uh, there's many, many nonsensical uh, slogans that have made their way into advertising, which have started out to be perfectly good English, but then the president of the company said that, no, 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 it should be this way. So, for beautiful human life. <laughs> so, on one sense, I'm very lucky that the authors that I've translated have been translators as well. And they understand the process and the difficulty, and so I don't usually have to stress that I can't do this perfectly to your language, to your syntax, to your every word, because no one would read it. Uh, in general, I find that uh, translating prose fiction from Japanese to English is closer to poetic translation. That you can, as long as you capture the, the manner, the mood, the tone, the flow, the how of the story, the subject, the what, naturally follows. And uh, I think that, in this sense, most Japanese translation has been quite successful. And it's becoming more and more uh, the case that writers nowadays are, of the television generation are not concentrating on the beauty of the language, they're more or less concentrating on the scenario this scene, then the next scene, then the plot, how it develops. So it becomes easier and easier uh, for English trans translating into English. Again, there is the tendency for Japanese now to, the grammar is even changing towards English. So good or bad, I don't know, but I really have no sense. That's all I have to say. Yes,